This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you all out this morning. Um, We are finishing our 31 days of prayer on the 31st and we have a worship and prayer night tonight at six it's a great symmetry of all those different things Uh, but our goal in this series as we've been talking about uh, prayer for the whole month of january is just to be uh, within our relationship with god thinking about prayer and the vitality of our relationship with god comes with communication just like any relationship that we have uh, that's living and alive that there's great communication in there and that's been our goal um, as we produce these cards for you and i I don't know if, if everyone didn't get a card there might be still some available at guest services you can pick one up um, but also the goal is not to tomorrow's february 1st okay we don't have to pray anymore um, the goal was to create a habit of prayer so that we can continue to, to be praying for these things and other things that come up in our hearts and our minds um, if you're coming to worship and prayer tonight bring this card with you uh, it will be helpful for you um, and once again i encourage you tomorrow's february 1st and and uh, don't stop praying if you've created some good habits of prayer keep on praying that vitality of your relationship with god comes from that um, so we've been talking about a lot of different things this month and um, the f- first thing we talked about week one was being thankful and uh, just incorporating that into our lives and then the second week we talked about fasting now i didn't, that week when i talked about fasting you know i presented it as a challenge um, maybe to fast some different things and you know i i spoke to a 20 something this last week who was um fasting social media and she was almost losing her bananas um to not be able to go on social media and you know it's an interesting conversation so i'm i'm hopeful that you took that challenge and once again that's another challenge that we can take from month to month not just think oh january was fasting month that there would be things that can become uh, the preeminence in our lives whether it's food or whether it's things that we look at or screens or all these different things and then we would fast those things uh, to be able to focus on our relationship with god and that's great to continue on for the rest of the year and then the third week we talked about an attitude that we should bring into prayer this attitude of awe and confidence and then last week we talked about praying for others so if you missed any of those messages you can catch up on our website all those messages are available for free or on our podcast but let's go back to first john chapter five this morning and let's finish out this series first john chapter five and this verse these two verses we've read every week and it says this And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. So a lot of what we've discussed this month, um, we see here that the prayers that God hears is the prayers that start within the context of his will. And that's why we've given you Bible verses Um, in our little calendar to be able to start with god's will praying god's word back to him understanding what his will is and then praying it and asking for the things that he wants us to ask not just having prayer start within the context of our desires effective praying starts within the mind of god so these these two verses help us to understand that and then when we think about prayer a lot of times prayer can become very formulaic 
at, it can become, okay, I need, to, I need to thank God to start. I need to praise a little bit. I need to look up a verse and I need to ask for those things. And it can become very mechanical. It can become, um, depending on where and when you pray, it's like it can become regimented and it can lose the life of it. You can lose the joy of it. But as I mentioned, um, prayer is all about time with God, about spending time with the one that we love. And that's how we need to frame prayer all of the time so it doesn't become sort of some religious activity. It doesn't become a burden. It doesn't become heavy or difficult for us. That we are actually speaking with the one we love the most. And just like any of the people that you love in life, that you're okay to spend time talking to them. You're, o- you're okay to set some time aside to be with them. And it's the same way with our relationship with God. And so we don't want to turn our prayer time into a formula that we want to realize that it is all fellowship. It is all just wonderful time with God. And the greatest experiences that you have in life are in the context of being with other people. Um, You know, if you ever did something amazing alone or experienced something amazing alone that you either called somebody right afterwards or you, you told somebody about it or you posted it online or whatever the case may be so you could share that experience with somebody else. Now, uh, on Friday night, I went um, shopping with my daughters. We went to Square One. And, um, you know, if, if I ever go shopping alone, it's very uneventful. Um, how I shop and maybe some other guys out there can, can testify that when we go shopping, when I go shopping, I go to the store that I want to go to, I get the thing, it takes about five minutes, and then I leave the mall. I don't need to look at every other store in the mall. I just go, purposeful action, and I go there and I get it, and I, it's really, I don't even remember the shopping experience, that it's just sort of me, and there's, you know, I'm going and getting out. But on Friday, let me just tell you, um, you know, we went to a couple stores, and literally, this is no exaggeration, we went into Forever 21. That's where I know. <laughs> at square one. And my girls literally looked at every rack in that store. And then I'm following them around. And in one hand, I have one daughter's stuff that she wants to try on. And in the other hand, what the other daughter wants to try on. So I'm following them around. And I'm, and I'm looking at some of the sections and I'm like, they are not going to like anything in that section. I'm like, girls, we don't need to go to that section. Yeah, but dad, you never know. We might just find there might be this one thing in that section. So I go and I'm following them around and, you know, um, so that was an experience, not necessarily one that I would choose. Um, but it, it, in the end, it, you know, was a fun experience and I was texting my wife and my wife is like, God gave you daughters. And I'm like, yes, honey, I realize this. Thank you. But even the experiences that we don't necessarily choose, they can become enjoyable when they are with the ones that we love. And this is what prayer should be for us. This is what, um, when we think about time with God, this is what uh, good praying is all about. It is relationship with God. It's understanding the will of God, hearing His voice, And like from the word of God, familiar with his will and his ways. And then praying and asking him for those things. It is the vitality of our relationship with God. It shouldn't be something difficult. It shouldn't be something hard. And it shouldn't be something that becomes formulaic. It should be um, enjoyable to us. 
And when we think about praying, it should be an increase in our relationship with God that we should understand that we are going to know God more and more. That our life, the life that we live and the experiences that we have and the things that we know are based on the relationships that we've had. The things that I know and the things that I've experienced have come from the relationships I have with people on the horizontal level, whether it's teachers or friends or mentors or authors, um, that my life experience has come from those relationships. And the same way with our relationship with God, our life should spring from our relationship with God. And we sang a song this morning about being close to God. That God is never far from anyone, but we are all always going to choose whether or not we choose to be close to God within the context of our relationship with Him. Are we going to choose to be close to God, know His will, know His ways, know His voice, be talking to Him, worshiping, worshiping Him, speaking with Him? Am I going to choose to be close with God, or am I just going to, you know, pray a salvation prayer and then my eternity be, will be with Him, and then sort of? But in the meantime. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure about God and I'm not so sure about other Christians and I'm not so sure how close I want to follow God because if I follow God close, maybe uh, I'll lose out on this or maybe I'll lose out on that. But we should always want to be close to God. It is actually our purpose in life is to live a life close to God. It is how we are created. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 11 this morning. Matthew chapter 11, and I'm going to meet, read you here uh, from the message paraphrase. I really like this section in the message. And Jesus is speaking and he says this, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Jesus says, Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Did you hear what Jesus said? He said, get away with me. And then he says, keep company with me. There's times in the scripture that we see Jesus that he would go all night and he would pray all night with God. And Jesus has the same inv invitation for us that we would get away with him, that we would keep company with him, and that our life will spring from that place, from our relationship with God, knowing him, knowing the creator of life, knowing the creator of you and me, that our life will come from that place. And we can see this right back in the beginning. In, in the book of Genesis, we see in chapter 3, uh, soon after Adam and Eve had sinned, we see that God had this constant fellowship with Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, it says this right after they sinned. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. In the cool of the day, and, and the man and wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. 
See, many times in our relationship with God, if we feel like we don't measure up, we try to not be close to God. We we try to distance ourselves from God. But here in these verses that God came down and he was walking with men. And I just love this phrase, just walking with humanity, with walking with mankind, walking with you and me. And this is how we need to believe about our relationship with God, that God is walking with us. And there's someone else famous in the book of Genesis for walking with God. Now, there's not a lot of scripture about this guy that we're going to look at. His name is Enoch, and he's just about, I think he's about seven uh, away in the birth order from Adam and Eve. And there's very little description, but what we describe and what we see is very interesting. Genesis chapter 5, verse 21 says this. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Now, for those of you that grew up going, you know, to Sunday school or going up in church, you all know that Methuselah was the oldest person uh, to have ever lived according to the scripture. Now, does anyone remember how old Methuselah was? Come on. Come on, somebody. 969. Somebody growing up going to church. 969. So the person that lived the oldest, his father was Enoch. Kind of a, a, a great example there for us that one of the keys to long life is fellowship with God. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. And it says Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not... For God took him. And we don't see that Enoch died. We would see or we would say that all of a sudden God, that Enoch was just fellowshipping with God, that his relationship with God for these 300 years was so close that all of a sudden God just took him up into his presence. But there's something that we can maybe glean from these verses. He was a first-time father when he was 65 years old. Let's think about that for a little while. And he fathered, just about the time he's supposed to retire, he's having a child. And it says he fathered Methuselah, and then it says Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah. And, you know, I I say to um, friends that I have in the ministry that, you know, anybody that's getting ready to have kids, they're already in the ministry, that having children will make you a better preacher. Having children will make you understand the heart of God. Having children helps us to understand the, mi- the mind of the Father God. And there was something about Enoch when he had Methuselah that it made him to understand something about the nature and character of God. That he loved his son so much. And good parents out there, you know that you love your children that you can't even describe it. That you thought you understood love before you had a child and then you had a child and then there was this whole other thing that happened in your life. This whole other thing that happened in your heart for you to understand and fathom love. But not only human love, but God's love. And there's, there was something in the context of that experience for Enoch that he just started to understand that he as a father wants to be with his children. And he would think and he would realize, you know, I know that Grandpa Adam and Grandma Eve, that they sinned and they messed up and they were, they were driven out of the garden. But God, I want to know you. 
I want to be with you. I want to understand who you are. And it was this experience of having a son that realized that God is a father. And then it says that Enoch, like Adam and Eve, and like God walking with Adam and Eve in the garden, that Enoch walked with God. And this is such a great description for us about our relationship with God. And it doesn't just necessarily mean one foot in front of the other. It means to proceed. It means to move. It means manner of life. That within the context of our relationships that they help us grow, also our relationship with God should be the primary relationship that helps us to move forward, to walk with God. And this is something that I've seen and observed with with people that have walked with God um, for a long time or a longer period of time maybe than me, that they have terms and they're able to describe their experiences with God and they're able to describe their relationship with God because why? They're moving forward. That there is a progression within the context of our relationship with God. My dad will describe it like this, that everybody has to go on a journey of faith. That, that how we are today is not how we will be five years from now. And how we were five years ago is not how we are today. That we should be progressing. We should be progressing in our understanding of God, who God is. But then also progressing in our understanding of life. Progressing in our understanding how to live life. Because we're hanging out with the giver of life. That we're not just understanding scripture for scripture's sake. That we're understanding scripture so that we can know who God is. That we understand and look at scripture so that our understanding of God unfolds. And when our understanding of God unfolds, our understanding of life will also simultaneously unfold. Enoch walked with God for 300 years. And so for us, we get to have this relationship with God, this relationship with God that he desires to have. He desires to have a relationship with us more than we desire to have a relationship with him. And so what does it look like for us to have a relationship with God? You know, growing up, uh, my dad was a pastor, as you, most of you know, and that, you know, sometimes after he would preach like an amazing sermon, a, an amazing message, you know, I'd have some people in the church come up to me you know, when I was a teenager and be like, oh, it must be just so wonderful to live in a house with him. I'm thinking, yeah, it's great. And I mean, and, and they would think that because they, you know, he's in the pulpit and he's preaching scripture and, you know, they just figured that at home. He's like just yelling scriptures at us all of the time. And it was great to live in a home with him, but not because he quoted scriptures at us all the time, it's because he lived scriptures in front of us. And he lived a life of following God. He lived a life of a journey of faith. And this is most, one of the things that I really appreciated about my dad as I, as I could look at and describe his ministry and describe his walk with God. He never got stuck in one place. That he was always growing and changing, and therefore he was growing and changing and changing the churches that he pastored and then that went over well for some people and not so well for others. But see, the people, you know, looking at, at these experiences and looking at, oh, what must be just wonderful to be in this relationship with him. And this is the way we would need to think about it. It's wonderful for us to be in a relationship with God. 
and see that the aspect of uh, the relationship with my dad that they didn't have, we had, they had a, a measure of a relationship with him because he preached and he, he knew them on Sundays and he would pray for them and he would pastor them. But my sister and I got a whole other side of my dad and it was the discipline side. Now he, once again, this is all gone from his brain now because he's now a grandfather. He doesn't have to do any of this stuff. But what made him also a good father, that he had a relationship with my sister and I, and he did things with us that we liked and that we had in common. But then he was also really good at the discipline side, really good (laughs) at the discipline side. And once again, as we referred to earlier in the series, see, we have a heavenly father, not a heavenly grandfather, that God in our relationship with him Uh, He loves us and he accepts us, but he also has the same desire for us to change and to grow and for us to be disciplined. See, and there's equal amounts of that within the love of God. God has equal amounts of acceptance for you, regardless of where you are at today, regardless of what your past is, regardless of what you've done, that God loves you and is in love with you today. But you know what he has an equal measure of? He has an equal desire for you to change and to grow and to not stay the same, just like any good earthly parent, that we love our kids. And we, the affection that we have for our children, it's hard to measure, it's hard to describe. But then we have an equal measure of wanting them to change and to grow up and become responsible and to learn all of the necessary things to be, you know, a good, productive Canadian citizen. Same way with our relationship with God. God's love for you We can't even describe it. We can't even measure it. How can we describe it? Well, we would describe it in such a way that he loves you so much that he would die for you. That he would give himself in Jesus for you. That's unfathomable love. But on an equal level, he wants you to change and he wants you to grow. And that's sometimes the missing element for a lot of people is realizing, oh, this relationship with God, he, he, he loves me and he cares about me, but he's also wanting us to change and to grow. And see, it's such a wonderful context to learn how to change and grow in this context of love, that this relationship that we have with God is lived in an atmosphere of love. First John chapter 4, verse 9 says this, In this, the love of God was manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins or atoning sacrifice for our sins. Did you see there what it said that we might live through him. And this is what our relationship with God is about. Learning to live. Learning, growing in life. Wherever you're at, whatever context, if you're, if you're a parent, whatever you're, wherever you work, that God wants you to be, he loves you and he cares about you, but he wants you to be on this change path. He wants you to be constantly changing, constantly growing. And how is that happening? It's happening in this wonderful atmosphere of love. That he gives us life. He's not giving us religion. 
He's not giving us heavy burdens like we already read. He's not giving something that's ill-fitting for us. He's asking us and he's wanting us to live the life that he has designed for us. 1 John chapter 3 says this. Verse 2, but friends, that's exactly who we are, children of God. And that's only the beginning. Who knows how we will end up? What we know is that when Christ is openly revealed, we will see him. And in seeing him, become like him. All of us who look forward to his coming, stay ready with the glistening purity of Jesus' life as a model for our own. Now, that's the message paraphrase of 1 John 3. That Jesus' life is a model for our own. So if Jesus' life is a model for our own, could anyone say that we need to change a little bit? That's a lot of what I've been trying to emphasize to you in this prayer series, that we're wanting to align ourselves with God, that Jesus' life as a model for our own. This is the wonderful part about the Gospels. You know, we have this record of how Jesus lived and how Jesus loved and how Jesus cared for and interacted with the disciples. And this should be how we think God deals with us. That he's not just loving us and caring about us and giving us affection. Yes, he is doing that. And he is accepting us. He is accepting of all people. He, Jesus has died for all people. But equally, he's asking us to change. And it's wonderful that we, we don't just see, okay, he was baptized in the Jordan and the Holy Spirit came on him and then he went straight to the cross. We actually have some of the teaching about his life and what he did and what he said. And then our lifelong sanctifying journey, in other words, being changed into the image of Christ, is lived in this context of us fellowshipping with God. Being with God, letting him change us. Being with God, seeing his character, seeing his goodness. Allowing him to change us. Allowing him to adjust us. Allowing us to, allowing him to uh, tweak us. Give us course corrections, attitude adjustments. And this is the wonderful thing about being in a close relationship with a good father. See, the people thought, oh, he's such a good preacher. It must be wonderful to live in his house. But what made him a good father is that ultimate love and acceptance, but then that ultimate, hey, you know what? You need to change, and you need to grow up, and you need to stop being so selfish, and you need to learn some things. See, and this is such a healthy attitude for us to have. This, is, this helps us in our job. This helps us in our marriage. Because here's the deal, if we, if we within our marriage, if we're struggling a little bit within our relationships and uh, the closest relationship that we would have is within our marriage, if we just think, if my spouse would just change, our marriage could be so much better. If my spouse would just do this, if my spouse would just talk like this and act like this and do this, because, you know, I, I'm, I'm perfect, I, I'm the perfect husband or I'm the perfect wife and all I need for them to do is shape up a little bit. And if they shape up a little bit, man, our marriage will get so much better. Do you know that's just a fallacy? 
that all of us need to be within the context of our relationship with God, accepted and loved and understand that the ultimate sacrifice was given. But he's also wanting us to live a life modeling our lives after Jesus. There's room for us to grow. And if there's room for us to grow and there's room for us to change, it's so much easier to be merciful to people, kind of like what we talked about last week. But that we would give ourselves to God within the context of our relationship, within the context of our prayer time, that we, like Enoch, like Adam and Eve, you know what, God, I want to walk with you. I want to progress with you. What is it right now in this season of my life? How is it that I need to move forward? What is it that I need to leave behind? What is this thing that I'm experiencing? What are these thoughts that I have? What are these struggles that I have that I need to just, you know what, I need to leave these things behind. And I want to walk with you. I want to progress with you. I want to live life with you. Enoch walked with God for 300 years. Adam and Eve, God came down to walk with them in the garden, in the cool of the day, in the time of the evening breeze, the scripture says in the King James. And so what is it? What about us? Is that just for Enoch? Is that just for Adam and Eve? Is that just for the famous Christians? Is that just for the, the TV preachers? That God is inviting us all into a relationship with him where we walk with him every day. That we are aligning ourselves to his will to understand his ways so that we can ask for and be an instrument in his hands to bring about the things that he would see that he desires in and around the context that we live within our jobs and within our communities, with our city, with our country that we would get into a relationship with God and we would be praying out God's will, asking for his kingdom to come in all of these places, but also that his kingdom would come in me, that I could be changed into the image of Christ. Let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Now, this is the Apostle Paul praying for the church at Ephesus. And this, is such, this gives us such great insight. And, and as we see, you know, as Paul was praying for this church, I, I'm assuming that there was people going through struggles, that were facing sickness and disease, that were maybe going through marital issues. But what we see Paul pray is very interesting. It says, and starting in verse 15, it says this, For this reason... Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. Paul says this, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And this is a prayer I pray for you every week. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Someone's like, well, what does all of that mean? And this is what Paul was praying for this church. That what? 
that he would give that the church would have the spirit of wisdom that they would understand and it says the revelation in the knowledge of him that we would get a revelation or we would have an understanding about who God is and this is the thing that Paul was praying for the church yes I'm sure that other times he prayed for sick people but we don't see it here in these verses what did he pray that they would get a revelation that they would get an understanding of who God is verse 18 having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places that we would understand he says this having the eyes of our heart enlightened and this is what walking with God is like that you get to see and understand life more and more better and brighter better and better greater and greater as we walk with God we understand more and we see more and this is, you know, what I would recommend, you know, especially for younger people that are maybe in here and you're kind of like, you're here because your parents are here and you're here because your parents brought you. And you're like, I don't know if I understand this and I don't know if I understand this and I don't get this thing. And I've got so many questions about so many different things. And one way to not get your questions answered is to quit asking them or just to quit on your relationship with God. But just as a personal testimony, just as a personal story, I, let, me, let me just tell you, if you don't quit, if you don't give up, man, understanding comes. Light comes. Confusion goes away. And you're kind of like, oh, I get that now. I see that now. But you'll never get there if you quit. If you'll never get there, if you think, oh, this is just mom's thing or this is just dad's thing. But you can grow and you can understand and you can see some things and you can understand some things about God and about life within the context of your relationship with God. And this is what God wants for all of us, that we would see him and we would know him, that we would see him and we would know him. And as we look at him, as we gaze on him, as we understand who he is. We get these two wonderful things. It talks about the riches in the inheritance. And then we would see and understand who God is. That God is a healer. That God is somebody who blesses us. Somebody who takes care of us. He has a father's heart. He gives us what we need. And when we understand that about who he is, when we talk to him, we can ask him for those things. But equally... He's asking of us to change. Equally, he's asking us to grow up, to quit being so selfish, to quit just putting ourselves first and our wants and our desires first, but to grow up into maturity. That we would live a life modeled after Jesus. And what does Jesus' life look like? That he lived a life of sacrifice for others, that he lived a life of ministry for others that growing up is seeing who God is and understanding who God is and experiencing who God is but then also becoming a useful vessel 
in God's hands so that we can be a blessing to others. Last verses we'll read this morning. John 15, verse 4 says this. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you or me unless you abide in me, Jesus says. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See, we actually need to believe those verses. We actually need to believe that apart from God, that we can't actually live the life that God has designed for us. We can't actually live out the purposes of God unless we are connected to the vine. He's the vine. We are the branches. And he's asking us, you know, to remain in him, abide in him. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branch are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So to prove to be by my disciples, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you, Jesus says. Abide in my love. See, the richness of our relationship with God is when we get to see his love. We get to see how much he loves us and accepts us and how much he gives to us because he is a saving God. But equally, how much he's transforming us, how much he's changing us as we abide in the vine, hanging out with God, spending time with him day after day, walking with him, moving forward with him in our relationship with God, understanding his blessings, knowing that he wants to transform us. Let's just pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your love today. We thank you that that we can live in this relationship with you, this loving relationship where you want us to see you and know you and walk with you. God, we choose today to be close to you. In this month that we've set aside for prayer, in this month that we've set aside to be with you and to talk to you, Lord, let's just not, help us not to make it just a one-time thing, a one-month thing, that we continue on to walk with you on a daily basis, to move forward with you in our lives, to move forward from our past, that you are calling us to move forward in you and to be transformed. We just thank you for that, Lord, that you are changing us that you are the one who loves us the most. We just thank you for that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.